0: Welcome to episode 23 of Kyperian Commentary Podcast. We're only a few days away from Christmas. We are nearing the end of the Advent season here. And I have my friend Dustin Messer with me. Dustin, how are you this morning?
1: I'm doing well, Yuri. Good to talk yeah. with you.
0: Yeah, likewise, brother. And we are coming to discuss a, a sad but also a, a topic that has brought us great joy over the years. The topic is R.C. Sproul. Uh, RC Sproul passed away and went to meet his Lord on the 14th, I believe, of December, a few days ago. And we're here to talk a little bit about this great man, RC Sproul. Uh, Dustin, out of uh, right from the beginning, Dustin, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Dr. RC Sproul?
1: Those old 1970s, maybe 1980s lectures on philosophy he gave, and it seems like they're in a living room. At least that's what it looked like. Um, I remember listening to those, and it was just so captivating. You know, he was mm-hmm. talking about Thales and Plato, and it was, uh, it was always so just kind of larger than life. You know, the subject matter, but also his lecturing. Um, and his voice, I'm sure it's the same for you, just became. Though I personally never met him in person, his voice just became that of a friend uh, through those lectures and radio, that's mm-hmm. what comes to mind. Mm. Yeah, I would say uh, very very similar uh, thoughts also. His
0: very distinguished voice, it was of someone that uh, if you walk in the room immediately, he would say, huh, there is someone that has something worthy to say, you know. <laughs> And uh, and surely he did have many, many worthy things to say. I am staring in my library right now, and I can pinpoint my entire section of R.C. Sproul books. Right now I have around 12 or 13 of them, probably another 12 or 13 on Kindle. And uh, I probably have a gigabyte worth of lectures from Dr. R.C. Sproul and the benefits that we have uh, been able to gain over the years from his, his ministry. 78 years of age...
1: And what, of all of those books in your library, what was the first you read?
0: The first book I read from Dr. R.C. Sproul was The Holiness of God. Undoubtedly, it changed my entire perspective of Isaiah chapter 6, and it really raised the bar for what God expects of us uh, when we gather together to worship Him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It truly is a holy, holy, holy name that we worship. That was the first book. What was yours?
1: You know, I was just thinking about that. I listened to those lectures on philosophy, and it must have been Ideas Have Consequences, uh, which is kind of in written format, those lectures. And to this day, I teach a survey of philosophy course. uh, And I use that book, and I have the lectures. I probably listen to one lecture a week um, uh, from from the Ideas Have Consequences lectures, just a really – wonderful survey, it's almost kind of Schaefer esque you know, big idea right. survey, uh, here's the conversation that has that uh, animated the West. Right. Yeah,
0: I've also listened to his uh, From Dust to Glory, which was a series through the Bible, really fascinated, probably the first time I actually had the exposure of a sort of a holistic, big picture view of the Bible, it was absolutely fascinating, we actually watched some of those in in college, in theology class. And so RC has really had a a remarkable impact, obviously uh, in the lives of so many. I don't I don't know Dustin. Honestly, I do not know anyone who is alive today who has come to Reform Faith who has not drunk deeply of the RC Sproul repertoire. Have you?
1: No. It seems like he is sort of uh, the funnel through which people come into uh, into right. Reform theology, and that was maybe as, you know we've already said what a gifted lecturer he he was, um, and so many people were just drawn by hearing these lofty ideas explained. So simply yet not simplistically, he had an amazing gift that way.
0: That's a very fine way of phrasing it. I've often said that perhaps the gift that R.C. gave the world was the gift of communicating clearly both in writing and in speech, and if as both of us have been around scholars uh, for a while, we realize that that's not a gift most scholars have. In fact, I would say it's a rare gift. Would you agree?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. His his ability to light up a room uh, with content. We've seen people who take such dramatic stories in church history and make them dry as dust, but uh, he turned it into gold dust and had that unique ability talking about the big ideas that he was able to communicate, what do you think are obviously holiness of God is one key insight from R.C., but what are some other kind of big ideas that you have a memory of gaining directly through R.C.'s writing?
0: Yeah, so I've had some, I've had uh, various interactions with him over the years, um, and I've sat under his ministry, and so as I've, I've read various tributes this week, as I'm sure you have, Dustin, and the one Fundamental issue where everyone seems to concur is that R.C. gave them an understanding of the sovereignty of God they did not have before. So maybe someone who, before coming to read or listen to R.C. Sproul, had a view of sovereignty, but when they came into R.C.'s lectures and heard his talks, they realized, wow, my view of sovereignty was not as large or great as this man makes it out to be. So that was one fundamental thing, as you mentioned. The second one plays into that, which is in the issue of justification by faith. I think that's something that R.C. dedicated his life to. Some would even refer to him as a fanatic disciple of that doctrine following in uh, Luther's uh, terms that this is the, uh, the issue where the church either stands or falls. And that actually led him to uh, come to various divisions from various friends that he had over the years because they did not take as strong a stand in justification by faith alone. R.C. uh, divided his uh, loyalties with those who did and forming uh, a very unique platform under Ligonier Ministries with that emphasis. Now, you didn't ask me this particular question, but I will tell you what most influenced me. In R.C.'s um, great repertoire of thoughts, and that was his view of worship. I don't know if you remember hearing his talks a living ear, but there were many times when there were about five or six Lutheran ministers present in the audience, all wearing their clerical collars. And R.C. when he would make a point about worship, he would give each Lutheran minister a particular look, as if to say, "Hey, guys, I'm on your side." So it was hmm. his book. Uh, a taste of heaven that revolutionized my thinking. It's a very unknown book. It's a short book where R.C. actually does something that would make a lot of reform people angry where he actually built a case for a high liturgical worship service from the pages of the Old Testament as opposed to merely depending on the New Covenant pages. And that was something where I found great admiration and fondness for his thoughts and it shaped my view to the point where I'm in the liturgical tradition today because of that first book I read many, many years ago.
1: Wow. You know, he had an ability to not just play to a particular sort of uh, reform type. He had some very democratic thoughts. And one thing, even his apologetic method, you know, he was friends with Cornelius Van Til. He tells stories about uh, Mr. and Mrs. Van Til feeding him cookies at their Philadelphia home. But he developed this, uh, you know, reformed interpretation of classical apologetics with Art Lindsay, John Gerstner. Right. Um, at a time when the reformed current was going a different way, and whether you agree or disagree, uh, he wasn't afraid to be moved by Scripture and take a stand when he was in the minority. That's exactly right.
0: That's exactly right. And I think that's... Uh a bit of a glimpse into R.C. Sproul, the man who knew his convictions and who also uh, thought very thoroughly about them. I don't think anyone, when you read R.C. Sproul, your reaction is either um, this man has convinced me thoroughly or I need to study this a bit deeper. I don't think he left anybody with neutral responses. Do you?
1: (laughs) No, that's a great way to say it. And he had a very definitive way of talking, too, that kind of you know, left you thinking, boy, i got to make up my mind on this because it sure seems important.
0: Well, R.C. Spo has uh, written so many books, done so many lectures, and uh, those who knew him personally and knew him very well, knew him as a man to be uh, gentle, he had a, I'm, I'm writing an article right now for Kaipir, you no, know, be up today, he had a fascination for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And being from Brazil, I have virtually zero interest in professional football. But as I would sit through one of his Westminster Confession lectures there at uh, St. Andrews, he would be uh, going through uh, from member to member, greeting them, and then he would make these observations about the Steelers, look who they hired, statistics. It was amazing. He had this encyclopedic memory about... Uh, not only theology, but also it—it it just overflowed into sports. I thought, man, what a what a, a healthy generalist he was. Yeah, yeah, wonderful way to say it. Dustin, as we look at the life of R.C. Sproul, um, many many decades of ministry. Many have written about his his labors, his impact, which I think is uh, ubiquitous in the Reformed tradition. What, what kind of lessons should we take from? a titan like R.C. as he, as those of us who are living, uh, growing under some of the things he has taught us, what what kind of lessons should we
1: take from such a a beautiful, splendid life? You know, one lesson I get from R.C. may seem a little counterintuitive, and it is generosity to people who think differently than you.
0: Wow. Um,
1: He was obviously, you said he lost friends in the evangelicals and Catholics together debate. But when you right. listen to RC talk about non-believers like Friedrich Nietzsche or uh, you know Plato, Aristotle, Greek philosophers, he has an ear to what are they saying right? What are they saying mm. that is uh, that was taught to them by um, the schoolmaster of general revelation? Mm. And he doesn't just kind of read. Uh, non-believers, especially non-believers, and philosophers to say, where do they err, where are they wrong? But he listens to say, where can we grow, where can we learn from them? And I, you know, if if you think of Schaefer representing the philosophic tradition of Christianity to the non-believing world, R.C. really represented the philosophic tradition of the world to the church. He was teaching us why it was valuable to hear and to listen and to see our voice uh, as authoritative. Scripture is authoritative, no doubt about it, but also as a voice in this conversation and understanding the historic philosophical debates in which Scripture took form and then later Augustine, Aquinas, these great theologians, uh, he put their voices in context with other uh, voices speaking uh, contemporaneously, and I think it's a wonderful lesson from R.C. What about you? That, uh, I, I agree 100%. Um, I, I don't know
0: if you remember uh, Ben Stein's conversation with R.C. Sproul. Stein had a uh, did an expose on uh, on how those who advocated for intelligent design were being kicked out of universities because they dare to believe that God was the creator of all things. And uh, it was entitled, an Ex- Exposed, No Intelligence Allowed. And so Ben Stein, in his uniqueness, um, had an interview with Dr. R.C. Spur, which is fascinating. You can find it on YouTube. And as R.C. was posing certain questions to Ben Stein, Ben Stein paused. This is a guy of, uh, you know, he is quite a titan in his own in old field, he paused and said, Boy, you really understand this stuff, don't you? <laughs> and I thought at, at that moment, I thought, my goodness, here is a uh, Ben Stein who probably has never heard R.C. Spro before is sitting next to him, and he had this rec- this instantaneous recognition that this was a man who understood his field well and was able to articulate it with winsomeness. And I think the thing that we ought to take uh, from R.C.'s life, as as we are both you know, young theologians and pastors, Dustin, and and for any other listening, is that when we come to expressing theological truth, it's not only important that we're expressing truth, but that we're expressing it well, winsomely, uh, lovingly, but in a way that draws people in rather than expel them from us. And I think that's the thing I remember the most from Dr. R.C. Sproul is that no matter... What issue he spoke of, whether I agreed or disagreed, um, he spoke in a compelling way which drew me in to listen more, uh, not away from it. And obviously, so much of my theology has been shaped by him because he had that that romance to his language that drew me in.
1: Wow. And uh, Yuri, what are there any? You mentioned his book on worship. Any other unknown or lesser known books? that you feel like are really worthwhile recommending even today? There's a an, uh,
0: new, not, not relatively new, but due to many, it's, I think it's called Everyone is a Theologian. And I think it, it may be based in some lectures, but I think it doesn't receive the kind, of, uh, the kind of attention it deserves because I think in a day when so many people are thinking more deeply about theology, R.C. Sproul was so ahead of his game when it comes to the incorporation of theology in life. The kinds of things that we hear today that are common and second nature to us was not common and second nature to the uh, se- the 70s and 80s audience in the Reformed faith. And R.C. in many ways, I think, Dustin, feel free to correct me, but I think in many ways R.C. Uh, made Abraham Kuyper uh, acceptable and made Abraham Kuyper's thinking uh, to be something common in the Reformed parlance of the day. For example, uh, there's a book he wrote some years ago, uh, and it has to do with um, the, the theological implications in culture. And his first line, this is in the 80s, the first line of that book was, We are all missionaries. And I thought, man, that's such a common thought today. But in those days, this was novelty. This was new, the idea that the Christian is engaged in all of life, and he is a missiological ambassador for God. And obviously this has a, a great tradition, but R.C. popularized it, which is what we, yeah. uh, which we, what we believe to be good, good philosophy when you take the classroom into the pew.
1: Yeah, and the book you mentioned is the one I would recommend as well, called Life <clears throat> Views Make a Christian Impact ah. on Culture and Society. Now there you go. people know about it. It's a super cheesy cover. It's like of a yes. reflective <laughs> <classroom> building. <laughs> you know, I remember that. It's a good book, and it really does codify and crystallize and put on sort of a ground level uh, a Kyperian vision of cultural impact. A really good book.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, God delights
1: when he receives his saints
0: in heaven, mm-hmm. and R.C. is there in spirit now, fellowshipping with the the countless multitudes um, that have died before him. And I, it, it, the, I, the very idea that this point in our time frame, but the very idea that in the heavenly time, however you quantify that, if at all, that R.C. is actually having a conversation with Augustine is a fascinating concept. And um, these are the kinds of things that you think about when someone dies, that the people you have taught about all your life are now the people you are communing and will commune for all eternity. Dustin, I am uh, so grateful for the life of R.C. Sproul, and I know you are too, my brother. And I hope that the generations to come will be able to drink deeply of this dear brother who lives 78 years of age and who gave the world so much. I hope they will be able to learn from his example and learn the beauty of God and his holiness.
1: Amen.